After Reaction is back after a long hiatus of six whole days. Uh, we are back in your inboxes, everyone. I'm joined by right now by Emily Rand. How's it going, Emily? I'm doing well. I am going to, you know, force my EDG agenda into well, today's say, show notes, considering you had messaged me on Twitter saying he just wanted to talk about Arcane. So much stuff that's happened. <laughs> In League of Legends this past week, possibly the biggest week of League of Legends in in years, if not ever. And I man, I'm just trying to think of everything that happened. We've got off season rumors. We've got the Arcane premiere this rumor or this morning. They just announced a new game as we're recording this. There's so many things. Is there anything I'm forgetting, Emily? EDG one word. <laughs> Edward Gaming, the cursed team. Was that this week? <laughs> You know, there's so much stuff. (laughs) I'm going to come across the room and just strangle you. Okay. Well, Uh, yes, of course. World Finals occurred, uh, and it was incredible. I think it set records for viewership on Twitch, I want to say, or at least in the West, and uh, obviously went to five games. Huge upset. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the off-season stuff. We'll probably... Yeah, I'm going to sneak some arcane stuff in here. I know you hate animated series, Emily. Oh, yeah. I only wrote a post about it already. <laughs> but I I am a big proponent of them, and I feel like we should be talking about that. So let's get into... Without further ado, let's just get into to this week's conversation. So Worlds happened, and everybody in the world, at least in the West, I don't know, uh, about the East, thought that it was going to be a 3-0, or I think you said 3-1. I said Tom 1-3-1, yeah. Yes. Uh, most people, I feel like, were saying 3-0. And then, obviously, things did not go that way. No. What was it like for you watching Worlds? So, I was surprisingly emotional about it, honestly. Just because Edward Gaming has been this team that I've kind of lived vicariously through one of my friends who is a major EDG fan. And she... I watched it with her, actually. Uh, so, listening to her realized that this team was actually going to win worlds it's just i haven't had that fan experience myself since kt rolster broke their streak and actually ended up winning lck right and my favorite player score ended up winning lck and so to live vicariously through her as edg this like absolutely cursed team who's been the LPL number one seed previously in the past has never made it past quarterfinals, has bombed out in groups before. Um, to be there with her while she realized that they were actually going to win was a very cool moment. I'll say that. Like, I, again, I'm not a fan of the team, but watching someone who I cared about be a fan and, and have that reaction was just very cool. Um, and I know a bunch of people were putting up some of the reactions from China on Twitter and it's still I know I've talked about this in the last episode but it's still kind of nuts to me that people were so behind EDG because of their founding and the way that they split from WE they were the most hated team in China for a really long time so seeing everyone come together to back EDG was still like very weird (laughs) to me personally but uh yeah I was I was really surprised I guess pleasantly surprised that they were able to do it. Yeah, I. It was very funny because when the the game started after that first game, a buddy of mine messaged and was like, "Oh, well, Korea has gone from uh, throwing game two to get their skins that they want to throwing game one to get the skins that oh. they want." And yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny because I feel like it wasn't really until the fifth game that people really started to realize that it was 
not going to be a, a damn one win, you know, like that this was not going to go the way that people thought it was going to go. So, I, I mean, it, very exciting. I think for Riot, uh, a fantastic event uh, because you, I, a Korea versus uh, LPL finals going five games when everybody thought it was going to be a stomp and then having the, the Chinese team win, I think, is a, a huge... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that they were popping some champagne. Let's put it that way. Well, I also think, like, so just from an analytical standpoint, I think it was cool how much EDG were able to evolve. Like I said previously on previous episodes for, I think, like three weeks now, EDG it was, is and was the most well-equipped team to adapt to the meta that did develop at Worlds. So it was nice to see them kind of learn in real time and also be able to split Tamwon up enough that they couldn't um, kind of all group mid and get away with some of these team fights that they'd previously been been getting away with. And I know Azale like messaged me before he did that segment on broadcast where he was talking about the EDG curve and like how they collapse and like how they kite out other teams. And he was just like, are you seeing this? I'm so excited about this. And I'm like, well, I'm, ha- I'm happy that you're so excited um, because their their team fighting is really good. And I, I also thought you saw you saw that as well. And especially for um, if I if I were to highlight a player it would definitely be Mako, like the original LPL Thing, uh, promo that they did with they always do a promo with whatever the world song is and Mako's part was him being stuck in a train car living through a time loop of EDG like kind of losing over and over again it represented that so to have him come out you know replace FCZF in 2015 win MSI but then deal with the weight of these expectations for years to see him come away with the world's title is very cool yeah I, I mean I was going to ask you do you think people were just under rating and under expecting EDG, EDG before this? Like, had they secretly been playing a lot better and people just didn't realize it? Or is it just a thing where they really showed up on the day? And I also, how much do you think Damwon slipped uh, in their performance? I don't know if you feel like they underperformed at all compared to how they'd been throughout the rest of the tournament. So I do think in some of Tomwon's drafting choices, they kind of drafted themselves into a few holes, which is already people have tend to like focus really heavily on draft because it's something that's very easy to kind of look at and and be like you know you only have so many options with this or the way your players play might not be be this compared to what edg did and so previously if you remember i was kind of questioning edg in terms of them drafting for their own strengths on the team and i do feel like they finally did that a lot more consistently in the final. I also think that they managed to out team fight Tom Wan in a lot of cases, uh, and they kept them split on the map, which is something that Tom Wan as a team has struggled with for for years. If you if you split them up, they don't react as well uh, as they do to something where it's like group is five, set up for an objective, and then fight. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just going to go down in history as one of the craziest endings to a worlds i mean oftentimes people talk about how worlds are so stompy in the finals and here we were able to see something that finally got a good one yeah it's it's rare right (laughs) and it's very funny i I know there were a lot of people who were very upset about the all the conversation i mean we were even having last week about how maybe t1 damn one was like the real finals all along and definitely some folks seemed outraged by that uh, and had, were taking some victory loops. I think some EDG fans in the Twitter mentioned. So either way, congratulations to EDG on winning Worlds this year. Uh, I, I want to ask you really quickly, Emily, 
do you think that this world's was the best worlds in a long time or an average worlds? Like how would you rate this worlds overall? Cause it was an interesting conversation we got into last night and I have very mixed feelings about it. Hmm. I didn't hear the conversation. I assume it's on hotline league, but, um, this world's was really weird actually, just because I think again, after the tournament, there are so many things that people forget. And this happens every world. It's not just this one, right? But with this one specifically, I mean, even through like week one, people had already forgotten that it had to be rush pivoted to Iceland and Berlin um, and that they had all this stuff set up in China ready to go and then couldn't execute on that. And so I think, I mean, if I had to look at the way that narratives formed and stuff like that they seemed even more reactionary due to the condensed schedule and also due to the lack of like there wasn't as much uh content around the teams even in the finals preview thing right like i am not going to ever criticize riot for like going all in on arcane because obviously it paid off right that's a uh, i guess money money well spent but at the same time i'm just like these two teams have such in great narratives they're great narratives for for each of these teams right and i feel like none of that was a part or none of that was in like hyping up these finals so while the finals were really really good i feel like there could have been so much more like ancillary and like shoulder content to hype it up a lot more yeah. going into it because i did see that reaction a lot before the finals started like now people are like oh my gosh we had the best finals ever in terms of gameplay and like back and forth and stuff but in terms of leading up to the final, people are like, oh, World's Finals is happening? I didn't even know, like jokingly, because there wasn't as much like hype or buildup behind it. I, I'm of the opinion that the format and the games that, given the format, given the, the restrictions around COVID and how they were you know, having to do everything out of this, I think it was the best you could ask for from a from a entertainment perspective like i think this world's was good it's just tough because the ceiling was so low because again i think we've talked a lot about the format and also just the constraints that they have when you don't like you don't have an audience watching the world finals you just have these guys like standing on stage it's like kind of a bit of a bummer i'm glad that you mentioned the arcane like show open though because it was very funny in that i i both love arcane and i think visually that show open was incredibly impressive like it was so cool to see somebody walking around but it was it was a very strange feeling where I was both watching this and being like, this is really visually impressive, but it feels like it has absolutely nothing to do with the world finals that are starting in like five minutes. Um, so it was a, a very, I don't know, I, I'm really hopeful that in the future they go back to what they've done. I know people have talked about how like KDA performances don't, but that the, the KDA performances lead way better. You know, like usually like there's a giant world's trophy that's being projected up onto a screen behind them or you know 3d modeled or something like there there are things that feel way more connected to the finals that are about to occur uh, occur rather than like arcane which is an entirely separate product unrelated to esports still a great product that we'll talk about later but I, I i agree with that assessment i hope that they go back to it um sort of the more traditional way of doing it in the future all right, well, let's put a button on Worlds. We're officially in the off season. I know we've been talking about rumors for a while. 
uh emily now gets to ask me a bunch of things about about this but before so i want to call something out which is i know we have a lot of uh listeners from europe unfortunately we don't have as much stuff to talk about for european offseason because i don't know if things aren't sorted yet or if there's just less stuff that's out there obviously i have less contacts for reporting on european stuff so i don't personally know as much as i do about north america so it will be kind of light this week but i i do think there's even just the question of i i am very curious as to what's going to happen with a lot of these players that seemingly are available for pickup like the g2 players we still don't know where like where's reckless going you would think by now we would have some idea uh mickey x i don't know where he's going uh there's there's just a ton of players that are kind of up for grabs and it's funny to me that like the rogue players are the ones that and even some of the mad lions players i think that are getting talked about more and there are more rumors around i (laughs) i'm a little curious if carlos's bank account is going to be a lot more empty than he thought it was going to be because we're in a place where i'm sure these buyouts are starting to fall for these players is like people don't want to go pay uh what even that meme of that perks called out where on reddit (laughs) yeah Carlos was saying uh, Reckless's buyout was two million, and then yep. on Twitter he was saying it was one point five. Yeah, a couple that was of, funny. Very short time later, <laughs> Perks mentioning he's going to be free soon, and like obviously that's uh, a joke. But I do think that like the buyouts on a lot of these players are going to be starting to drop dramatically soon. So I I am really curious to find out what happens over in LEC, even if we don't have as much stuff to talk about this week. Um, I don't know if you've saw, seen anything yeah. over there that was I mean, I too. think the big thing, and this was reported before last week, even uh, even prior to uh, the what we were talking about. Oh, no, th- I mean that too. But just like, uh, I think it was Esports Maniacos, yeah, that said basically everything. We've talked about how this is the case with Bjergsen, right, in North America right now. Like, there's always, like, one or two players everyone's kind of waiting on, and then the watershed of signings follows. Um, I know, according to them, it was like, oh, we're looking at where, like, Hansama is going to end up. We're looking at Perks and Alfari returning and where are they going to end up. Um, and and weirdly, I think Reckless has been, like, the t- Reckless talk has been sidelined due to everyone kind of waiting with bated breath to see where like Alfari and Perks are going specifically if if slash when they're returning to the LEC, if they are going to that rumored super team. So yeah, I think, I think it's very similar to NA and, and unfortunately or fortunately, I guess, depending on what side of the argument you're on, North America and Europe are very intrinsically tied in terms of the way their off seasons work. Uh, very similarly to how you look at the low pro league and LCK and they're very intrinsically tied too in in a similar manner. So um, I think everyone's kind of just waiting right now to see. And as soon as we have one big signing, then I think everything else will fall in line. Uh, I mean, you say that, but there's been a lot of signings so far, right? Like we basically know what the vitality roster is and we, we know which, well, we know at least a couple of the big players. Well, the team liquid roster, which yeah, let's talk about. Yeah, that. yeah, okay. So we'll, let's maybe that's like a jumping up point. But I, well, actually, really quickly before I get to that, I think the one thing that is very interesting to me also about the LEC is that the economy of off season, from what I can tell, has changed dramatically this year. So since 2018, especially with franchising, you would even have some of the. I don't know, lower teams or whatever, the B tier teams in LCS that would go out and sign some big player or spend a lot of money. Hooney 
like a, a obvious example of that. Uh, but there's been others as well. And there's right now, I think LCS, there's a ton of downward pressure on prices, both in salary and in buyouts, because you have a lot of the bottom teams that are not interested in spending. And there's definitely some conversation around and some rumors that C9 and TSM might also be getting out of the rat race in that way, where they are not going to spend certainly as much as they spent last year, but even perhaps less than before. Like they're not interested in, there's, I think there's way less people in North America and teams that are interested in spending millions of dollars in buyouts for LEC players, which doesn't mean that they're not willing to sign them. But I just don't think that like somebody like Reckless, who I think under normal years, people would expect us to cost a bajillion dollars and some North American team to pick them up. Like, I think there's just a lot of people that are like, eh, do we really need Reckless or should we just go sign somebody else? Um, so I think that's part of the reason also where we're seeing LEC. It's my theory as to why LEC seems a little quieter because North America is just as much as LEC fans are really sad about losing Whip on Hans to Team Liquid, uh, which now we can get into. I think uh, there's it's actually there's a lot less movement this year than normal. I've actually heard something similar from from people behind the scenes. Oh, so, this yeah. is the first time I think no, I've ever it's done not, content. It's actually out there because uh, Kelsey mentioned it on League Day, but she was like, I think people will be maybe pleasantly surprised at how, despite all of the big rumors that are swirling around, how there might be more actual North American talent coming up, which would make me happy because later on, I'm going to bully everyone into watching scouting grounds so okay well let's <laughs> let's talk about the team liquid roster which i have very a ton of confidence in the the fact that that's what team liquid thinks their roster is right now obviously nothing gets signed until next monday whenever everything is like the league rules allow for that stuff to occur but i think everyone can operate under the assumption that whippo santorin bjergsen han sama and core jj are the the lineup that will be competing for team liquid right now. Cause I'm fairly confident that's what team liquid is likely uh, assuming is their roster. So first impressions, Emily, what do you think of this lineup? I mean, we talked a little bit about the Whippo stuff no last year, but idea. or last week, but now we have this kind of locked in. Yeah. I have no idea how this team is going to work. I, I mean, like I haven't. Um, so I think Soren is a really smart player, like to the, to the point where he probably, weirdly didn't get enough credit for what a smart player he was outside it because everyone was just kind of like maybe he doesn't have the hands anymore blah 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 blah. and then tsm went zero and six and it was really really bad um but i don't know where he's at now um and that's not to say like he can't come back and and be phenomenal but like i honestly don't know where he's at didn't he have a pretty good worlds i feel like people were thinking he was having pretty good worlds bjergsen Oh, I, I was talking you, about. I said Soren. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah sorry, so Bjergsen. I'm talking about Bjergsen. Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Um. So I don't know where he's at. Right. So like I don't. That that's like the the key point of this roster that I'm looking at because I think like obviously they've worked together before, but it was a really long time ago when Santorin, by his own admission, was not as good. Right. Of a jungler. Like he's even said that he's like, oh, I was really bad back in you know, 2014, 2014, I think. Um, so that could be a phenomenal mid-jungle. Because, like, whenever I look at how a team is going to operate, I kind of start with mid-jungle. And it depends on how 
big of a control point Bjergsen can be for Santorin because Santorin is a really good reactionary jungler. I think he is best when he is trying to, when he is given leeway to track his opponents, right? And then affect his lanes after that. And so Bjergsen as a stable point in mid can do that. However, I don't know where he's at, honestly. I, I, like, I don't know how to evaluate him. Um, I think Han's core could be an insane bot lane, like an actual insane 2v2, if they want to play the 2v2. Um, because obviously another thing is that core tends to unlock Rome. and roam. Yeah. yeah. So, And then Bwipo is like a... Ma- a massive wild card because everyone on the show knows how entertaining I find Bwipo. Um, and we had Bwipo jungle watch like all year and his transition to jungle was surprisingly successful. However, he is a volatile top laner. And I think he, even he would admit that. Like he plays that lane very, uh, to make it volatile on purpose and also plays some like very unique matchups. So that is another interesting thing because I do feel like this year TL struggled with integrating Alfari into what they were doing, right? It seemed like Alfari wanted to do one thing and the rest of the team maybe didn't want to do that or they didn't know how to fully integrate him into team fights or he wasn't communicating well enough to integrate it. Whatever was going on, there was like miscommunication. Um, and so bringing Bwipo into that a noted volatile top laner in the 1v1 is also very interesting to me. So like, I am looking forward to seeing if this is the team, how on earth they will work. Yes. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there's a good chance that these guys just dominate the league next year, but I think a lot of it, quite frankly, is gonna come down to ego uh, because you have in that team, I think a lot of players who have their own idea of how to play the game. You know, yeah. I think Core, especially probably this past year had a pretty good idea of what Team Liquid should be. Bjergsen has always been that guy for TSM. And then for Fnatic, we've heard a lot about how maybe how much budding heads there were, were behind the <laughs> scenes there. So with Whippo coming in, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Hansama seems like a nice young man, so I'm not he too is. worried about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that also should, as we're talking about Bjergsen, Last week, our, our poll and our Q&A were both about Bjergsen. Our poll was, what team would you like to see Bjergsen play for? C9, 33%. Team Liquid, 46%. EG, 21%. So the majority wins out here. It's as, more even than I thought it would be, though, to yeah. be honest. like I thought it was going to be kind of C9, TL split, just because C9 have a lot of fans. And then, I, mean, I think that a lot of it is TSM fans that are that are like, oh, I don't want them. I fuck C9 and Team Liquid. Send them to EG. You know, it's like that's, that's where all the EG votes are coming from. Yeah, or yeah. salty TSM fans. Yes, because okay. I don't think they're coming from EG fans. No, no offense to EG, but uh, similarly, our Q and A was, what do you think about Bjergsen leaving TSM? And we have some. <laughs> oh my god, I'm laughing at this. Aaron finally. just wrote finally. I know. That's the only thing they wrote. Evan wrote shrug. So a lot of uh, one word takes here. Uh, Logan says time to hear TSM fans cry. I, it really does there seem like it's so many people who are just. It like, comes down, I think, to the TSM fans versus everybody else. The TSM fans are very sad, uh, heart heartbroken. Says Lester. Uh, Colin, Colin here says best thing beer could have done for himself. Presumably not a TSM fan. So I think it just splits yeah. down. There's a lot of, of big feelings and emotions either way. Zachary is sobbing in the shower right now. <laughs> oh God, Zachary, I don't know. Be I careful with your okay. phone. I hope your phone is, uh, 
water resistant if you're uh, typing this out. I like there. what Cedric said, which I think is interesting. Bjerg leaving will be the best of both worlds. So TSM basically gets to have like a very fresh start. Like it's been since 2013 that they have not had Bjerg in some capacity. Obviously he was coached this year, but um, we don't know how much his influence had. But yeah, like uh, it allows them to start over and then uh, Bjerg to start over the I think the weird thing is like I think a lot uh, like a lot of TSM fans here are rightfully like we don't really know what a TSM without Bjergsen is like yeah and I think that's a very fair take because we we don't like he's been synonymous with the TSM brand since he came over 2014 so I mean, we've talked about this before, and so we don't need to go down it, but I am very fascinated to find out what happens with TSM now uh, as a brand and as an org, because uh, honestly, I think they should do something really compelling to try to make sure that people are continuing to be engaged with them, because I think they had a pretty big uh, fall last year. Like they, things have been really bad for them since the zero six. If you think about it, it's like they went zero six, the two stars on that team, the two most popular people in the league retired. Uh, you at least had Bjergsen as coach, and so you had something there. Now Bjergsen is gone, and like you, lot, like the the only player they retained last year was Spika, who was the newest face on that team and was like a, a rookie kind of. And so now, like like it's just been a tumultuous couple of years for TSM fans, and I think that there's a good chance that they bleed a lot of fans unless they can c- c- put together something compelling. I think it's so funny the difference between you and me and how we view team building because my only thought is like Spica was amazing last year like hold on to him as your next like franchise player based on gameplay because I think Spica was so smart and there were so many games where TSM would have lost if it hadn't been for some of his early pathing decisions or some of his lane attention or even some of his team fighting. So I think it's really funny. You're like the fans and I'm just like, yo, speak is good. Hold on speak to him. Is good. But what if they, but it's a five player game, Emily. Like if they don't piss no, I know, but like them. if you're, if you're making decisions based on like, okay, who's the next player we want to build around if they are going more towards like, an NA talent route, which I don't know if they are. TSM has pretty much never done that. Um, so I I think it'd be interesting. Like, I think it'd be really interesting. And I think Spika is very good. I just think, uh, it, yes, I hear you on the competitive side, but I they better find something compelling to fit around Spika and be competitive because, like, this this team has kind of been in free fall since the 0-6 I mean, they had like a relatively decent year last year for a team that didn't make it to Worlds, but like the, their roster is blowing up again, and Sword Art is like a going to be a meme. I feel like for a long time, the only reason he's less of a meme is because like Perks, I think, has been the bigger meme for this year. So, like that, I I personally like I hope that they do something interesting because the LCS needs a TSM to be compelling at this time in the LCS history, in my opinion. And so that's why it's so critical that they do something compelling. Mm. I keep using the word compelling because, like, I think it's the best word. I mean, word. I've said interesting, like, five billion times yeah, yeah. already. But, but, like, I think that is the best word, right? Like, even in a world where they don't make worlds again, you have to at least be like, wow, that team was like, the team I was excited about. I like the the players or their play style or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's, TSM's in an interesting place for sure. Speaking of potential options for TSM and Team Liquid, since we were just talking about... Uh, their changes. Jensen now out on the street 
this poor man, uh, this poor Danish man, has tweeted that he, or not tweeted, he said on his stream, he's not even sure if he's going to be playing next year. And I think part of that is because there's not an obvious place for him to go. It's hard to imagine Jensen playing on like a CLG, a FlyQuest, or a Golden Guardians. That would be really rough. Uh, there's not a spot for him probably at 100T. Uh, Team Liquid, obviously not there. So his options are EG, C9, and uh, TSM. C9 and him, I don't think, have the best relationship after his departure previously. And I've heard no rumors about him going there. It seems like it's probably going to be either Copy or Niski based off of what everyone's talking about. Uh, and so then that leads TSM and EG. I think... Okay, well, here, let me launch into this. Oh, my God. Emily. I don't, I don't know what the, the deets are on Jensen. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. well, the deets are... He's just, it's unclear on if he's going to go anywhere because it seems like TSM might run some import mid. And then EG is... The, I feel like EG is the, the most fascinating team for me in the offseason right now because... There's just this big thing about what are they going to do? Are they going to run Jojo Pyun and like this rookie roster? Or are they going to do what I think they should do, Emily, which is impact, import jungle, Jensen mid, Vulcan support, double lift ADC. So there was a rumor that I don't know how true it is that Doublelift and Jensen were going around together to teams. I don't know how true that is. Uh, they've obviously played together before. So um, this is funny considering it's only funny to me that you say this, considering you were the one who's like, we need to do a better job of yes. bringing up North American players. See what you want me to explain? Um, but I, so I think the, the big thing that's frustrating for me about Jensen possibly not having a team is just that he gets, again, I said this last week, last week, he gets rewarded for having a really strong world's performance by not having a team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Congratulations. You were perhaps the best Western performing mid at worlds. Uh, look for options. Yeah. You know, Here's uh, the door. McDonald's. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so I will explain because I know you want me to, to explain. Uh, I believe a lot in developing North American talent. I don't think that means we need to throw out our amazing players that we already have here uh, out the window. And like Jensen, who we just agreed, a fantastic player, double lift who I think the league could really use. Like those two players should be playing in the league next year if they want to play. That is a huge opportunity for the LCS. And like, there are a lot of, I, my frustration is often whenever we're like, ah, oh, the best answer is to go import sword art and pay him a bajillion dollars. Or when the bottom tier team, or whenever people are flaming the bottom tier teams for running, you know, North American players and they're, they're not performing like that. That is fine. I am happy when those bottom tier teams are doing that type of stuff. And I, I think that the Jojo Pions and Danny should be playing in the LCS. I also think the Doublelifts and the Jensen's should be playing in the LCS. I don't think that it's one or the other though for EG, I think it probably is one or the other. And I think this is this, this off season is unprecedented Emily, because next year there's the potential like we haven't, the rumors out of TSM are not compelling right now. And there are there is a chance that they have Bjergsen hangover and they've got Sword Art hangover and they just are not going to spend next year. Cloud9, similar situation. Maybe they bring Niski in. I would be excited to see him, but there's still a good chance that they don't put together something that impressive. 
that means that you've got 100 TNTL that are the only ones that are really throwing together something that like people can be really hyped about. And like, if you are EG and you have been trying to get into the upper echelon of fandom and and competition in the LCS, you can put together an impact and inspired uh, Jensen double Vulcan lineup. And like most people would power rank that in the top three for the LCS and they would immediately get all these fans. It is like such an obvious solution. And I don't think that like saying that means I hate NA talent or like, how dare I, you know, development uh, man who's a hypocrite and betrayer. Like that is the move EG should make. If, if they can make the, the money make sense, you have to wait for the buyouts probably to fall on both these players. But if Jensen's son is stream saying, I might be playing next year. I'm sure Jack or Jack Steve is like, Oh dear God, I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to have to pay for these players. I need a buyout. So I think that those numbers will probably be falling soon. Do you, Emily, do you disagree with me on that lineup? Uh, I mean, it's something. Okay, I... okay, listen, listen. You have these options. You have, you have inspired, or sorry, um, sorry. You have impact. Let's say, let's say contracts or something. I know he's probably not going to be playing for them next year. You've got JoJo Pion. You got Danny. You got Ignar. Uh, I don't think that's what their lineup would be. But if you had that option versus the one I just mentioned, the Jensen lineup, which do you pick if you're the GM? I don't know, honestly. I don't feel qualified to answer this question. Okay. This is why I hate off season because I just want to. I just want to see the rosters on paper and then comment on them. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just. I think it's like that. That's that conversation. I think symbolizes so much of where the LCS is, uh, is at right now, and it's like super fascinating to me. So that's that's why I'm loving uh, what is going on there. All right. We are done with the off season conversation. Let's talk about Scouting Grounds, which I guess yeah, is Yeah, so you should watch Scouting Grounds. It's going on now, but um, the actual broadcast of it will be this weekend on Saturday. So you should check it out if you're interested in North American talent coming up. I know um, a few players that people on the scene have highlighted at, that you may not have heard of, so like not recurring names. Um, there's concept in the top lane who uh has been attributed according to one of my friends as having who watches his stream his solo queue stream having unshakable mental who's <laughs> also just a talented up-and-coming top laner um there's array in the bot lane for the team mountain um bradley in mid also for team mountain and then uh you know more familiar names like five fire uh you know breezy uh, Kamsu coming back from yeah, that's I'm excited about him. Yeah. yeah, being you know a league player to being an Overwatch player to uh, performing surprisingly well in my opinion for someone who was coming back uh, in the proving ground circuit. So I'm I am actually legitimately very excited about scouting grounds for anyone who's followed any of my content. They know it's actually one of my favorite. Um, events of the year to to follow and to cover and so i'm really happy that i get to be a part of it this year by being on broadcast well this leads me to our q a for this week which is which player are you looking forward to seeing the most at na scouting grounds because uh, you've just yeah. heard some names i know who I, it's who i feel most excited for but i won't reveal it until next week because I think you just did but nope nobody <laughs> nobody knows okay also i just want to 
we were talking about this a little bit. We want to mention Arcane because Arcane is such a huge moment for League of Legends. Uh, it's going to echo out. We're going to have an amazing generation of North American all-stars that were inspired by watching uh, Vi and Jinx in Arcane. Uh, no spoilers here, but I just want to say I absolutely loved it. Uh, Mark and I did like a big video about it where we were talking about how much we loved it. What did you think, Emily? I was very pleasantly surprised by how good it was. Like, I, uh, so, I mean, I talked about this last week a little bit about how apparently I have the reputation for being a snob, an anime snob or something. Um, All anime enthusiasts I consider snobs. That's why, that's why I made that joke before oh, we went on air. Okay. Yes. Uh, but... I think the actual, so the actual animation for, for anyone who studies animation, like disre disregarding the story entirely, which you shouldn't, but just for a moment, the technical part of the animation is actually so freaking good. Like the micro expressions, like one of the things that I actually judge animation off of the most isn't like really well coordinated fight scenes or anything like that. It's how do facial, how does facial animation work? Like, do these look like, even if they're heavily stylized people, are they making reactions? And there are so many minute, like, expressions when you're looking at some of these characters interacting, um, especially Vi, I would say, because she is someone who is kind of trying to, she's obviously, like, has very strong opinions, right? And has very, like, big temper but she also is really trying to hold it together so you see a lot of very small flashes of emotion that they actually animate into her face that's so good um you see something similar with victor who is again another character who's kind of supposed to be like a little bit more restrained in terms of expressiveness so putting him side by side with jace is very interesting because you have one person who's like incredibly expressive and then one person who has to express everything through like incredibly micro uh, emotions kind of going across his face. And they animate this so freaking well, like it's nuts. It's so good. Like it's so, so good um, when, when facial animation is actually done well, because yeah. it says so much more about those characters specifically. Well, I, I can't say, we don't have enough time for me to say as much positive things as Emily just did about Arcane, but I, I do want to say that I absolutely love it. Congratulations to Riot for putting this thing together. I know it's topping out on a bunch of Netflix charts, and so this is your message to go, this is your sign to go watch Arcane. The first act is out now, and then they're going to be doing the two final acts over the next two weeks, so I can't wait. Uh, and that leads us to the poll this week, which is, did you like Arcane? Uh, yes, no, and haven't seen it. Uh, so please open up the Rift Reaction so, uh, podcast on the Spotify app and let us know because I'd, I'd love to see how how many of you guys loved it and and uh, hopefully there's not too many people who haven't seen it. That would make me sad. But if you haven't and you're clicking that thing, go watch it. All right, as we are in the back of the book, we have a new thing that we are doing this week where we listen to a voicemail from the line that you guys provided us. Uh, this one's from Hunter from Las Vegas. Let's go ahead and listen to it. Hey, Travis and Emily. This is Hunter calling from Las Vegas, Nevada. Something that I've never really seen suggested 
but I've always thought was a cool idea is having uh, regions, regions like EU and NA trade teams for a season. Not not everything, obviously, but like I what I would love to see how TSM would compete in the LEC, and I would love to see how some somebody like G2 would compete in the LCS. Let me get. Let me know if you guys ever thought about that. Thanks. I love the show. Have a good day. What do you think of the idea of swapping LCS and LEC teams? Very impractical. Will never happen. But I I agree with the idea that it's an incredibly interesting thought experiment because I do wonder if we would see the LEC teams like drop off and LCS teams rise up because obviously so many people have talked about the uh, environment that people play in. Yeah, that's why I really love this question and it would highly depend on what team would would go. But I know like uh, a lot of people, a few coaches specifically were looking at the, um, you know, things that were happening in NA and things that were happening in EU and even surmising that possibly North American teams were even more side lane focused, uh, especially with how frequently their supports would roam in playoffs. And I think that was actually pretty heavily punished by certain teams like 100 Thieves punished TL for it in the finals. Um, uh, Teams at Worlds certainly punished it. But at the same time, like I would love to see, you know, that like, so like take a, a TL you know, I mean, we don't know what their roster or we know, quote unquote, know what their roster is going to be. But like, if you look at teams last year, right, taking TL and, and popping them over into Europe and seeing how that would affect Europe or uh, taking a European team like Rogue that was so lane dominant and lane focused and taking that to North America would be really interesting to me. I also think that one of the discussions around this year's Worlds was how little teams were able to practice, for example, in boot camp and other um, countries. And I think that always has a really interesting impact on how teams adjust and adapt and why they can look so different from their domestic region into uh, into worlds. So I would love to see it. It's never going to happen. But I do think it'd be very interesting to see how the play styles influence each other. Well, as we get into the offseason, we're going to be taking more of your calls because there are less and less things to talk about. We're going to have a quiet couple of months ahead of us. So uh, please give us a call into Rift Reaction if you have anything. You can give us a call at 323-607-2537, and the country code is 1 if you want to call from outside the U.S. Can't, there's probably some fees associated with that, so just do your research. Uh, but we will try to take your questions. We'll try to take some more of them. So thank you. Uh, finally, our reaction shots. Emily, you were talking about Scouting Grounds earlier. Watch Scouting Grounds. Unlike Travis, I believe in North American talent. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Not I'm enough to kidding. take a stand for them in the I'm EGT conversation. Um, but I think, again, like I, I kind of already re- reviewed this previously, but there are a lot of cool players coming up in Scouting Grounds that I am very, very interested in watching. Um I know that, uh, you know, we have, again, I mentioned Array, I mentioned Kamsu coming back, um, I mentioned Bradley and Concept. I think this particular scouting grounds is going to be super interesting, and you should look forward to it, because if you want to support some of these players, and also I, I do think, again, it's not perfect, but the quality of life improvements that happened over 2021 in terms of getting more eyeballs on amateur and, and academy have been really good. And so Scouting Grounds is a great 
uh, opportunity for you to see these players in you know actual matches so mine is about arcane uh so i kind of tuned out of everything league of legends narrative around 2014 or 2015 because i just got frustrated that they kept retconning so many things changing things you know characters that were previously associated with each other no longer were which and maybe associated with somebody else which led like a huge question mark about what that worked is it, it became mega disjointed and so while i was still invested in the characters themselves and the ip i was just like completely uninterested in any of the storytelling aspect of it arcane has dramatically changed that it has shown me that they can tell a great cohesive story i mean obviously there's two more acts to go but i'm still really excited about what i've seen and it makes me feel really excited the problem is though is that the rest of the stuff is still a mess and it feels like they they keep it you know it continues to be a mess i'm worried it will be and so like i was actually just thinking as we were putting the show together about how uh they would benefit i think from having somebody like a kevin feige who's the head dude at marvel who kind of keeps all these stories that are all seemingly disparate uh, in the marvel cinematic universe but like making sure that they all align they all link there's not like any like weird contradictions or whatever um and i i really hope that riot can do that now with their storytelling because i it would make me very sad if like arcane comes out and then we see like three other different stories that are being told in like the games or comics or something like that that's just continue to seem disjointed so they really need to centralize everything make sure everything's clean use arcane as this moment in time where riot can like really make sure that their narrative stuff is like set and put together you're laughing I know nothing about League of Legends lore outside of like very vague things. And that is, I mean, the the lack of cohesiveness is one of the reasons. Yeah, well, this is their moment. They, they can fix it. I'm back in, just don't let me down. <laughs> That's Rift Reaction, everybody. I know kind of a longer episode this week, but it's been a lot to talk about. Emily Rand, thank you so much for uh, being my co-host this week yeah, and every week. Fun. Yes. Uh, be sure to catch us next week. Follow us on Spotify and uh, see you soon. Bye.